Welcome to the Art of the Dive. We have a special international edition here with new host, Brian Crane. Crane, how are you doing today? Well, you know, down here in Panama, it's been kind of a, a tough few minutes right after the, the loss of the United States. Uh, one nail to Panama. So the mood's kind of sour. But other than that, Jim, happy to be here. Yeah, definitely not going out on Panama City tonight. That's for sure. Staying in. Well, Craig, I think be, there's some things. Going to be a crazy night here in Panama. A lot of lot of fireworks. I'm expecting. Well, hopefully, Western McKinney doesn't bring back too many COVID ladies. Um, so we got some things to figure out here. First off, international edition. This is a new thing we're going to be doing. We got to figure out a pod name. I got a couple of subsections here, Crane. So I'm gonna I'm gonna write off a subsection. And I need you to pick the best name with the two options. Okay. Please do. Please do. All right. So the first is American themed. So it's either for the pod, it could be either United We Dive or Give Me Liberty or Give Me a Foul. Which one do you like? Uh, you know, United We Dive, I like for the succinctness, but from the historical perspective, I got to go Give Me Liberty or Give Me a Foul. That's just so great. Okay. okay that's a good one. Good. Good. Glad to hear it. Next, kind of like uh, FIFA, how it's uh, Federación de Football de Asociación de Football uh, Spanish talk. Si. We did uh, a translation here, a babble fish, and it's uh, Art of the Dive in Spanish is Arte de la Inmersión. Si. And then uh, the other option is La Arte de Da Vinci, which is uh, it's probably Italian, I guess. I don't know. I just made that up off my head. Which one do you like? Which one do you like? It's got to be the Italian because I feel like you can really get into the hand movements with that as well. And, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. that's such an important part of language. So, L'Arte la de, de Vucci, all for that. And, of course, I'm, I made my uh, hand motions as I'm saying it. Of course. Speaking with your hands is essential to Italian as a language. All right. That- the last one, the last, the last combo here is uh, based off of either, I think, books and movies. So, I don't know if you're familiar with Emily in Paris. How about Jimmy in Paris? That's an interesting one. Or A Tale of Two Divers. What do you think? You know, I've seen uh, bits and pieces of Emily in Paris, and I feel like you would fit in perfectly as a character on that show. So Jimmy in Paris, good. it has to be. I know nothing about that, but I don't I don't feel confident about the way you're saying that. So Oh, you I think we have perfect. A- Great, great. I don't, I don't know. I don't. Uh, I don't know where to go from there. I don't know anything about that. So uh, we move. See, <laughs> we got our three. We'll probably post a poll on the official account, or I'll forget and just choose a random name, and then we'll go from there. All right. Well, of course, cool. too, for everyone listening and voting, as is tradition, you do need to select the worst possible answer, and that's how we'll know which one you like the best. That's true. That's true. So then, that might be what we go with. Because it's the worst? Who knows? All right. Cool. All right, Crane. Well, there's uh, been a lot of controversy in the community. Um, there's been some rumors that you were actually the first guest host on the Art of the Dive podcast. Can you confirm or deny that? So here's the story that I'll mm-hmm. tell and feel mm-hmm. free to dispute it as you need. Uh, mm-hmm. So so back in 2017, mm-hmm. I wrote mm-hmm. an article for the Art of the Dive website under a fake name uh, and then was asked to be a guest host on the pod. Well, Mm -hmm. after 
recording that episode, which was, I think, somewhere in the neighborhood of two to three hours. I mean, I was throwing out great statistics. I was killing the game. Mm-hmm. Absolutely of course, of course. dominating. Uh, mm-hmm. I got a, a message from Marco saying that he had accidentally deleted the file and there was no mm-hmm. way to get mm-hmm. it back. So if you go by that timeline... I certainly was the first guest host, but to each person, they can make up their decision for themselves. That's some breaking news here. So we've heard rumors that there was, you know, this original podcast and that Marco was so upset with the content that he ended up deleting it. But now we have actual confirmation. Um, I think you said 2017. So that was about four years, which I believe the statute of limitations has expired. So legally, I think that's why you're here today to talk about this. Is that correct? That you've been waiting for this moment for many, many years? That is correct. And in terms of historical lost tapes... It has to be right up there with the Watergate tapes. You know, what did Nixon know about what was happening at Watergate? Right next to should Jamie Vardy have been on the 2018 England World Cup squad? Those are mm-hmm. two essential questions that the world may never know the answer to. I think we can all agree with that. Um, I think that Marco actually has mentioned some things about maybe having a copy. He said stuff such as, you know, that tape might not be lost or I actually have a copy in my house. Do you think he actually does have a copy? If those rumors are true, I think it just goes to show that Marco is scared of someone coming onto his pod and being better than him at his job. Mm-hmm. I think we all agree with that. I mean, Jake's kind of already better than him as is. So, I, I mean, how much can one man take? That's true. Absolutely true. And, you know, when Jake puts in more than 12 seconds of effort to prep for the pod, he can do some pretty good things with it. All right. Let's calm down there, bud. All right. Let's not get, <laughs> let's not, oh, we're all optimistic there. Okay. Okay. Let's get, uh, so first off, Crane, let's, let's get, let's get to know you a little bit here. Um, I think what most people find interesting is your FPL strategy. So you do have some interesting requirements, um, to your team that kind of, some say limit it, some maybe say help you exceed. Can you care to elaborate maybe the players on your bench, any players you have to have on your team? Go into a little bit more detail about that. Sure, of course. I think the most important thing is any U.S. national team player who is in the Premier League needs to be on my team. So right now, I've got Zach Steffen as a goalkeeper, right? Eating up Mm -hmm. some extra funds because you can get backup goalkeepers for cheaper than that. But to me, essential. So you have Pulisic, obviously. And when he plays, I'll say I'll Mm -hmm. captain him 90% of the time. He's great. It has to, yeah. And then Josh Sargent too, who really has not been utilized well in Norwich. And It's really unfortunate because he's going to end up in the championship next year unless they sell him. It's uh, been a really awful start to the Premier League season for the Canaries. So really hoping they can turn it around. Well, that'd be good for your FPL team, though. I mean, having losing Josh Sargent, I feel like that's a bonus for you. (laughs) Well, you know, we'll we'll see what happens with him. I think he has the ability. Um, much like some other Americans playing at lower levels to to really dominate in the Premier League. But he's just not being 
uh, thrown out in the right situations by the manager who I think is worried more about his hair and needs to worry less about that and actually what the product is on the team and not on his head. That's a fair point. That's a fair point. Are there any uh, other restrictions, maybe players you won't have in your team due to their being rivals of the USA? Oh, absolutely. Anyone from the CONCACAF region, uh, really? I, I can't have them on my uh, fancy Premier League team. No way, wow. no That's- how. I will never root for anyone who is a rival to the U.S. national team to be successful in any facet of their lives. So That's a lot though, of players. That's that's totally fine with me. Even though they might perform well in uh, FPL, you know, we've seen Mikel Antonio do really well lately um, and, and others from CONCACAF. They're just absolutely cannot have on my team. As my team gotcha. is named, this is America. <laughs> Perfectly fitting. And so despite all these limitations, were you not beating Jake with 10 weeks to go last year? Oh, absolutely. It's it's hard not to beat Jake because Jake just questions every single thing. And it's so minute, every little detail he questions. And he second guesses himself. A few weeks ago, we were all together uh, and Jake had wild carded for the next week, two games into the current game week because he wasn't happy. <laughs> and for for me, it's the complete opposite. I don't invest a lot of time into it because I know I can't control anything. I'm going to take advice from people like you and, and Marco and, and Jake and mm-hmm. Nick. Experts. Yep. Experts. Nope. Nope. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm going to just go with what you guys say. And if I get steered wrong, that's on me because I don't put that effort in. Right? I can't complain that someone told me to pick up uh, El Unesi from, from Southampton. Hey, 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 Even hey, hey. He's got good I pictures ca- coming up. I kind of was He's into Andros Townsend, and Townsend scored two goals in uh, back-to-back games here. Short yeah, that's size. He'll be great. He'll be great. Don't worry about that's it. That's totally it's not. That's totally not on you. So it, it totally happens. And, and like I said, I can't get worried about that stuff. It's all out of our control. I'm about just enjoying the games waking up uh, on a saturday morning watching some some footy as they call it across the pond and uh just just really enjoying the games for what they are that's a uh an irrationally mature approach to fpl and, and i uh i don't think you should be playing the game like that i don't think anyone else does i think you need to be a lot more crazy and a lot more wild it's so a we'll point that, that is rare in the community Exactly. It's not, it's, it's, uh, it, I don't know. I don't have to say about that, man. It, it, I'm just baffled. I'm lost for words. That's, there's too much like logic to it. It's too common sense. I can't handle it. I'm overloading over here. Life is already stressful enough. I don't need to add any stress to my fantasy life. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. All right, Crane. I, I asked the community here some, uh, some questions to get to know you a little bit better. So I, I'm, we're going to do a deep dive into both your soccer life and your personal life. Let's so I got it. Dr. Matt's starting us off here. He asks, what do you think of the NHS versus the American model of healthcare? Your thoughts? So, of course, the NHS, National Health Service uh, in mm-hmm. the United Kingdom. Obviously, is it, yes. Is it yes, okay that, that you can, uh, you know, just just walk into a hospital and they give you all the surgeries you want for free. Sure. 
Some people like that. You know, is it okay that you don't have to pay for anything that doctors provide you with? People may like that. Uh, thinking about on our pod, Jake, as a doctor, probably wouldn't like that. Fake doctor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right, right. But the American model, yeah, it's expensive. Yeah, the the uh, there there's so many intricacies in there. But I think this question was really settled starting in 1776. Do you know what was written in the in oh, 1776? Boy. No, I don't, Crane. What that what was, was written in 1776? That was the Declaration of Independence. And the Declaration oh, okay. of What's Independence that? said that the American model of healthcare is better than the NHS. That's the words of the founding fathers. And you can't okay. argue with I that. Next that. question. Let me Google that. I, can, I think I can find the wording here for a second. Yeah, uh, it, yeah it's I'm not after, seeing that. Oh. So, so it's in that first paragraph. We hold these truths to be self-evident that okay. the NHS is far, far inferior. Oh, got it. I see to it. America. Oh, okay, yeah, far. Yeah, there's there's two fars, right? Okay, yes. got it. I thought there was yes. three far, far, far inferior. It's only far, far inferior. Got it. Yeah, cool. that's okay. that's a common mistake. Don't worry about that. Ah, uh, American teaching. What are you gonna do? All right. <laughs> Mark asked thus, what does, does Marco still feel that the U.S. men's national team is wholly dependent on Captain America, Christian Pulisic himself? You know Marco pretty well. You guys are roommates in college. What do you think? Well, you know, Marco's relationship with the U.S. men's national team is very complicated. He, uh, he, he says they don't bring him joy, but yet he watches all the games. He really gets invested in it. We traveled to a lot of games together and we'll be going to an upcoming match, uh, the U.S. versus Mexico next month. This Mm -hmm. is a a really confusing question because Marco doesn't like that Pulisic earlier in his career took some national team games off because he was dealing with injuries. Marco said that showed he wasn't committed to the team. Now, of course, we, we've seen Pulisic play more at both the international and uh, domestic level. And the fact is, he has an injury issue. He, he really struggles to stay healthy. So I think Marco is starting to enjoy it more now so that uh, we have players other than Pulisic stepping up. And we'll talk about some of those players later on. But I think uh, he he's really looking at it more holistically than just focusing on his irrational hatred for Christian Pulisic. That's fair. That's fair. I think Bobby Love asked a f- nice follow-up question to that. Is Marco a nonce? You know, this is one of those British words where I just have no idea what it means. And uh, I'm going to just go ahead and say no because... I'm guessing it's some sort of ridiculous uh, ridiculous saying or slang. And I've seen this guy, Bobby Love, uh, on the Twitters. I've seen this guy, Bobby Love, doing all this stuff. And mm-hmm. I don't know if he's really mm-hmm. a trustworthy guy. So I'm going to have fair. to say no to that. Gotcha. I also did not know what nonce meant. So I did some Googling. And it seems to be like a random variation of a, of a set, um, like kind of, like a predetermined outcome, but a random variation of that. So it kind of seems like it's a weird person. That would mm-hmm. be my understanding. But once again, that's just what I got from the Google sphere. Um, so I'm not, I'm not really sure. Um, Marco is definitely a weirdo, but like, yeah, are, I mean, aren't, I, aren't we all weirdos? Yeah. I think if you're not weird, then you're just boring. Like, what are you, what are you doing with your life there? Exactly. Come oh. on. Okay. Another personal question for you here. Marv, have you ever had to deal with identity theft? 
Uh, well, Marv, that's a, a great question. And mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. for a while, that's why I hid behind the guise of Stephen Adams, international correspondent. Uh, referenced uh, many times. Yep. Right, right. But uh, no, I, I don't actually think I have dealt with that. Uh, and I'm hoping to keep that going. So, Marv, please do not steal any of my personal information. All right. Well, his full name is Ryan Crane. Um, I can give you his address. You don't, Just, you don't uh, gotta send throw me a message. that out there. You don't gotta and throw will, that out uh, there, Jim. We'll get that sorted out for you there, bud. Yeah, All right. Okay, Dr. Great. Matt asked, will Newcastle be invited to the Super League? I think one of the best things about the takeover at Newcastle have been the videos on Twitter of people playing FIFA 22 and having a Newcastle squad full of Messi and Mbappe, Mbappe and Neymar and Haaland and Varane and all these great players. I think it's hilarious. I think it's amazing. Uh, based on the fact that the new owners of Newcastle have 10 times the money as the 10 other richest owners combined, I think they might not be invited to the Super League. They're almost like at a, at a level above everyone else. Like an ultra league, perhaps. Yeah, exactly. The super duper league, if you will. (laughs) I think that is probably a more uh, a more fitting location for Newcastle moving forward. Now, the only thing is, they have to stay out of the championship, and right now, that's not going pretty pretty well for them. So, I think it all kind of went downhill for Newcastle once they sold DeAndre Yedlin. But Mm -hmm, uh, obviously. I'm hoping that they can uh, turn it around here and, and get ready for that super duper league. Depends how many Americans they buy, right? All right. right. Thomas okay. Bracken asked, do you suspect that you have may ever may have been missold a payment protection insurance, aka PPI? So while I was doing some research, and unlike one of the usual co-hosts of the pod, I actually did some research. I, I saw this question and I just had no idea what it meant. Absolutely no, no yeah. clue. Do, do you yeah, have I think any it's idea just like what in this general means? Insurance. I think it's like when you buy a car and they're like, "Do you want to buy super duper insurance?" And then you can get into the super duper Champions League. You know, it's like, and then you just like pay money, and then nothing ever happens, and it's never worth it. Is that like the they the always rust like try to talk protection? Yeah, like the rust protection no package in, in cars. I think that's. Uh, I I think maybe it's something like that. I've never bought that, so I'm going to have to say no, that I haven't ever been missold uh, payment protection insurance. I almost had one of those where, like, I was buying a new car right out of college, and, like, I went to sign it, and then, like, before I signed, I looked, and they were like, here's your gold standard. It's like, you know, $2,000, you know, annually, and I was like, what is this? This is not what I said. Right. So, they had to, like, reprint out, like, 48 pages of paper. I had to sign everywhere again. They're the worst. And, I hate them. And that just kills the environment. Where's all that paper going? Yep, exactly. Hashtag save the whales, save the birds. Mm-hmm. All right. Bobby Love asks, what is the American dream and why are 99% not living it but still convinced America is the greatest country? So that's a, a really complicated question, but I'm going to... Is it? Is it? Is it I, a complicated question? I think, I think America is the best and I think that's about the end of it. Well, that's what I was getting to, right? I want to address that second Mm, part of the question. But people are still convinced that America is the greatest country. It's not convinced. It's a fact. It's a fact. Yeah, that's fair. Countries in the world. Number one, United States. Number two, United States. 
Number three. Mm-hmm. Third tier. United mm-hmm. States. Okay. And then it's like 82 more United States. And then you gotcha. get to. A third uh, tier? Yeah, maybe you get to like Denmark or Iceland, um, Antarctica, Nordic maybe countries. in there. Got it. Good health care. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah. I mean, not as good as the American system, of course. Of course, of course. Yeah, I love but, paying money for everything. It's great. Yeah. But the, the American dream is going to bed at night in America. Yeah. That's a dream. Knowing that you have hundreds of thousands of dollars of debt, stuff you'll never be able to repay. Hashtag America. Would you yep. trade that for anything? Nothing. Nothing in the world, except maybe not being in debt. But that's it. moving on. Anyway, Thomas Bracken asks, is it coming home in 2022? Well, home is such a uh, interesting term for this. Let, let's take a look at this because this is something I want to get into. England oh at the international level is incredibly mediocre. Let me say that again. Incredibly mediocre. We just lost all our listeners. What is this? Every, why, are you, why are you doing this to us? Uh, sometimes you got to be hit with the truth, Jim. Sometimes people have to Do hear you? the truth. You look at these last two major international tournaments where England has done relatively well for them. So in the 2018 World Cup, they beat Tunisia. World power Tunisia. Mm-hmm, they, mm-hmm. they beat a Panama team who... Frankly, the U.S. didn't beat today, but a hey, poor that's, Panama that's team. four years ago. That's four years ago. A whole new squad, you know? Ex- exactly. And they had to travel halfway across the, the world to get to Siberia. Not and then in the And then in the knockout rounds, you get Colombia and Sweden. Are you kidding me? Those are your knockout round competitions and you guys are overjoyed beating them? Then go to 2020. Or 2021. It it was the 2020 Euros, but they call it the 2020. Yeah, it was in mess. 2021. What was that? Yeah, I don't like figure it out, people. Figure it out. But what's the year? That's all they need to know. Is like what year is it? That's what you need to know. And it was look too at, hard. Look at a calendar. Look at your phone. Mm-hmm. It's pretty easy. Yeah. But going to that semifinal game where where Sterling takes the dive scene around the world to get them into the final. No English person can ever complain about VAR ever again for club or for country. That play was reviewed and still it was determined that somehow Sterling was fouled. And that gets them to the final where, of course, at home at Wembley, the mecca of football, they lose to Italy, a team far superior to them. And England had to hold on for most of that match. Uh, and then you look at the current slate of World Cup qualifiers. Jim, you know who England is in a group with for these World Cup qualifiers? Probably some pretty heavy hitters, I would imagine. Oh, yeah, heavy hitters. Here's here's their group. Albania, Poland, Hungary, mm-hmm. Andorra, and San Marino. That's, that's their group. Are you kidding me right now? People love to say that CONCACAF has poor teams. All right, let's look at Andorra and San Marino. Andorra is about 77,000 people in it. San Marino has 33,000. Okay, you combine that, that's one-fifth the population of the smallest U.S. state, Wyoming. So you're telling me that two teams you get to play for World Cup qualifying make up one-fifth of Wyoming, which most people think doesn't even exist. 
And that's Wyoming. What? That's crazy. That's that's one of the conspiracy theories that Wyoming doesn't actually exist. But that's who England is qualifying against. And everyone's just getting so excited about it's coming home. It's coming home. No, it's not. It's a terrible it's, accent. It's, it's pretty uh, bad. That, uh, yeah, that was an that. amazing accent. But <laughs> it's it's going to someone's home, but England is not going to your home. Sorry about that. Jeez. Oh, calm down, bud. All right, let's 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 lighten it up a little bit after that. I mean, we're trying to get you like a nice impression, get some fans here, and you're just like torching everyone. As I said, honesty, best policy. Sometimes you got to hear things that hurt. Oh, heavy hitter here, Ryan Crane with you, international correspondent. Last question, and we'll take a break here. This is going to be a tough one, though. Would you rather have toes for fingers or fingers for toes? So you say this is a tough one, but for me. This is one of the easiest questions possible, right? You, Toes for fingers, obviously. How many? Yeah. No, 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 no. Yeah. It's obviously yeah. fingers for toes because okay. how many people walk around and say, oh, my fingers are so ugly? No one. How many people toes. walk around and say, oh, my toes are ugly? Who Everyone. are you talking to? No one Every- says that. Everyone so what you says and your friends that. talk about, you're just like, let me tell you about my toes today. I got some stubby nails. Things aren't Look, going well. So you think so you think having hands where they're like these long, dangly fingers down there, you got a, like a thumb sticking out of your ankle, just like snagged on your like heel there. You think that's gonna go well for you? That's gonna uh, be like you're you're gonna be they're gonna smell, they're gonna your nails are gonna be wrecked, you can't even walk at that point. So now you're just like bound to a wheelchair. Enjoy that life. Uh yeah, but I can grab things then with my feet. Which frees up my hands to play video games. To walk on? Are you gonna are you are you gonna walk on your hands then? Because I don't know how you're walking around anymore. What? Do you, do your feet just disappear? I mean, like, how do you? What do you? What, you can't put any like you can't put socks on your like. Where are your thumbs gonna do? Where are they gonna go? Where are they gonna go? Look, I'm not designing it. Okay, I'm not Doctor Human Centipede over here trying to mix all this up. I'm just telling you. The answer is clearly, clearly fingers for toes. It provides you a, a much better option in your life. All right. Well, Ryan Crane just lost all credibility. I think we're going to take a break here knowing that he cannot be trusted. Uh, we'll be back soon. Welcome back to Le Arte de Devuche. Boopity. Ah, yeah, we're Italian. Here we go. I'm Marco. Bada bing, bada boom. Hey. <laughs> that was a great impression of him. That was amazing. Thank you. I'm, I'm good at impressions, just like Marco. You know, me and him. Same guy, same guy. <laughs> All right. I guess we should get into some uh, U.S. men's national talk now. It's been like half an hour, so we probably should talk about that at some point, huh? Well, that is the, the most relevant topic at hand. And I do think it is vital for our international audience that they gain a, a true understanding of the team that's going to become dominant on the world stage over the next decade here. You sure it's not century? I think you said decade on accident. Oh, it must have skipped over because I said 400 decades. Okay, okay. We're on the same page then. Got it. Was Four the number score in seven years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That'll happen. Okay. So you gotcha. were in a, you were. You were in Austin for the uh, Jamaica game. How was that? What's what's Texas like? That's COVID central, right? Well, you know, Austin is sort of a uh, 
sort of a a different area of Texas, right? As they like to say, keep Austin weird. So mm-hmm. it's uh, it was a, a really nice experience. They got a brand new stadium down there. Uh, the Q2, not to be confused with the O2 from England. Commonly confused, uh, but, of course. Yeah. But but the Q2 is a, a great stadium. They've got the, the safe standing behind the goals for the supporter section. It, it was really a, a really nice experience. And, of course, it helped that the U.S. was able to get out of there with a very convincing 2-0 win over the reggae boys from Jamaica. Yeah, Pepe, two goals. He's a kid. Uh, I like him a lot. His touch doesn't seem great to me, but, you know, he's he's got that finisher instinct, which is hard to find. So I was pretty happy to see that. I didn't watch the game, though, so I actually didn't see any of it. So I'm just saying things. Uh, would you agree that Pepe looked good? <laughs> I would agree with that statement that the person who scored the two goals did play well. That, goals! Uh, really going with a hot take there, Jim. I like it. But yeah, I, I think he plays a different style than the U.S. has had uh, with a striker for a long time. You're right. I think his touch does need to get a little bit better. Uh, and it's going to. There are clubs around Europe looking at him. Uh, there have been uh, scouts from Ajax or Ajax, if you prefer, uh, scouts from Bayern at some of his uh, matches, and he just continues to impress. Already in double-digit goals during the MLS season, which, as we all know, MLS isn't the highest quality. Uh, that's why David Beckham could never do anything in the MLS. But oh. he, he's really, really finding his stride as an 18-year-old, which is just amazing. And I think the fact that he is a, a dual national, he also has Mexican citizenship and was eligible to play for the Mexican national team, but he chose the United States and it obviously a smart decision. Um, I, I think that's going to draw a lot of people into this team and you've got great personalities. He's got a great personality. Eunice Musa has a great personality. Oh my God. Tyler Adams, Weston McKenney. Uh, and I think people are going to see Pepe more and more once he moves to Europe. Uh, he's going to become a pretty big household name, I'd say, across the world. He's got lots that of, type of, of talent. To address here, first off, Musa is shit. Absolute shit. All right. Here's some maybe stats you're for talking, you here. Of maybe the you're talking about Mufasa. Per 90, he is in the one percentile of progressive passing. Literally the worst progressive passer of all players in the top five leagues. Also, 21st in progressive dribbling. So it's like he can't pass the ball forward and he can't progress the ball by dribbling. So, what? Well, you know, I I think the way he plays for his club team, he may be being misused and he's not really playing at a consistent uh, position with his club. If you look at that first goal that the U.S. scored, it starts with Matt Turner comes out of the back. He, he distributes it very well uh, to Serginio Dest, dribbles it up the field, finds Musa, who gets it right back to Dest, crosses in the middle for a goal from Pepe, a nice header yeah. Uh, yeah, into great the cross, far great lower corner. Yeah, he just passed the ball like for the first time forward in his life, and there was no one even guarding Dest, so like it wasn't even that big of a deal. Well, in, in this country, in the United States, for, for those people uh, listening from overseas – 
Uh, we have a sport called ice hockey. And in ice hockey, you get mm-hmm. two assists per goal. So if we're oh. playing ice hockey, Musa's got that assist, right? And I think these player ratings that everyone loves, I think that changes a lot if you, you give him an assist that he really did deserve on that. And it was a progressive pass. So if you want to talk about the one percentile, yeah, I'll give you the one percentile of times I did that and it ended up in the net, just like on uh, on Thursday against Jamaica. Hot takes here. Well, funny you should mention uh, player rating because he was the lowest rated U.S. men's national team starter that day. <sighs> he was shit. All right, we're moving on. We can't keep talking about this. We can go on this forever. Um, so something about the, uh, U.S. team, their wingbacks seem like very important. Like Robinson's getting forward. Des is getting important. Um, would you agree? I kind of feel like that's where a lot of their attacking options come from. Absolutely. And I think, uh, the fitness, uh, fitness coach Massa has been doing a great job working with those outside backs. We love to see him getting forward, uh, talking with Burr that's really one uh, U.S. manager, Greg Berhalter. Of course, I apologize. Uh, that's that really sense. one of the, yeah. That's really one of the things that he values is being able to use your wingbacks as an attacking option. Tonight in Panama, we didn't see that. But if we go to that Jamaica game, which we'll stick with for a second here, you have Anthony Robinson, Jedi, as he's known colloquial, colloquially. As he's known, and yep, Serginio yep. Dest, uh, who had the highest ratings, those players are really, really, really effective for the U.S. Dest has the best skills of the ball. Maybe anyone on the team not named Christian Pulisic. He is so good with the ball at his feet. And it, and it leads me to question, when you see what Robinson can do uh, for the U.S. national team, why is he still in the championship with Fulham? Are they holding on to these visions of grandeur that they're going to be back in the Premier League next year? He is a much better player than playing in the championship. And we saw that last year with Fulham. He consistently was bombing up the left wing and given great crosses. Unfortunately, Fulham had no one who knew how to score a goal. So okay, I, I think... Really- I think- yeah, go ahead. I think, well, if there's a player I'd, I'd compare him to, it's Marcos Alonso, right? He's the kind of guy, like you said, he gets forward, he bombs balls in and everything, but his defense, eh, not really existent. So you play him in a four-back, he gets forward, and then he leaves you exposed. I think you put him in a five-back, I think he's going to thrive. And I think with the way Fulham are playing in, Fulham are playing in a four-back, I think he's being underutilized, and that's really exposing um, his weaknesses, and that's why he's being undervalued. Sure, and I think you bring up a great point formationally about where he's going to be the most effective. We've seen the U.S. Uh, in different games that, I, that I've been a part of the, the journalist crew with. We've seen the U.S. play in a five-back system for some of them uh, with you know John Brooks, Mark McKenzie, Tim Ream, Walker Zimmerman, Matt Miazga, a bunch of different characters rotating into that center back position. Uh, but you have people like Robinson and Dest, DeAndre Yedlin, Reggie Cannon, Shaq Moore, who we saw tonight. You have guys who, yeah, maybe aren't the best on-ball defenders, but what they can provide offensively 
is going to be troubling a lot of teams that we play against. So it's going to be really imperative that those guys are constantly getting uh, the most out of what they can going forward. Yeah, and I think I think that was a big issue we saw tonight. Um, just carrying on the outside backs, they uh, they did not have it tonight. Uh, what do you do? You think that was an issue for us? We couldn't we couldn't tack through the flanks there. Well, certainly, and we'll talk more about the offensive statistics or lack of statistics uh, from tonight's game. But you look at the two backs: George Bellow, Atlanta United, Shaq Moore. Moore certainly gave us a little bit more, pun intended, than Bello did on the left side. But it just wasn't consistent enough. And the U.S. midfield today really, really underperformed. And that forced the backs to look to skip a level, meaning that they couldn't uh, play one-twos with the midfield means they couldn't get balls distributed well from the midfield. So I, I do think that was a major part of the problem tonight here in Panama, that the United States was unable to go forward out of the back, which has been very, very dangerous for the U.S. We talked about it uh, earlier in this pod here. The Jamaica goal, uh, Jamaica game, first goal by Pepe, assisted by Serginio Des, right back. Uh, going up, playing a nice one-two with um, your favorite player, Yunus Musa, and hey, sending a great cross in and, and a good finish. And when your outside backs can do that, that puts so much pressure on the other team. And uh, tonight, we just didn't see that enough from the U.S. men's national team. Do you think um, losing Robinson, McKenney, Stefan, you know, Polish not being there... Um, yeah, have you heard any updates about why that happened? What's going on? Have you talked with the staff? What's you got any updates for us here? Yeah, so Darcy Norman, the conditioning coach, was talking with me about this. So you have a, a variety of different reasons, right? Robinson and Stefan were unable to travel to Panama tonight due to the quarantine restrictions still in place in the United Kingdom. You know what? United Kingdom, whatever you guys are doing, enjoy that but you're probably going to want to look at that because this is an issue uh that's going to be impacting all of your premier teams premier league teams uh which you love so much so they weren't able to travel weston mckinney picked up a little knock uh in the jamaica match a little quad injury so that kept him uh out he actually traveled straight to columbus where the u.s is going to play in their next match uh in hopes of being able to get fit in time for that match But I think, you know, what we saw tonight from the outside backs uh, leads us to some questions about the the overall roster competition, uh, composition, excuse me, right? Someone we've talked about already, someone that I've got on my fantasy Premier League team, Josh Sargent. (laughs) You know, what, what are your thoughts, Jim, on Josh Sargent with the national team? I mean, look, he's he's a young guy and he's playing at a high level and that's what we like to see, but he hasn't he hasn't made the leap yet. He doesn't have like a particular skill that can take him to the next level. Um and that's nothing it's not like a linear growth where he can you know, it's like over time he'll develop it. He's gotta make a jump and that's that's just what's gotta happen and until he gets there, he's he's not up to snuff. So I mean he's definitely better than Zardis. I hate Zardis. I also think he's terrible. Um <laughs> it's nice to see his lethal finishing instinct finally. 
where he just hurls his body at the ball, but it was at the wrong goal. So um, I, I do not want to see Zardes on the pitch again. I would have loved to have Sargent out there. I think it would have been a different result tonight if he was. Yeah, and, and I think when you look at it, right, Sargent certainly has not performed very well with the national team, but his pedigree is there. Uh, we saw him have good moments in Germany with Werder Bremen, and he's he's just not being utilized well right now for Norwich, and maybe that will come once he gets his legs under him a little bit more in the UK. Um, but you talk about Giassi Zardes. Look, this guy's best known for a goal going in that was deflected off his face against Guyana in the, the 2017 World Cup, the 2019 uh, Gold Cup, excuse me. Um, you know, a, a shot that was cleared out by the Guyana defender that ricocheted off his face. Great finish, just like the own goal we saw tonight. Uh, but I, I think there's just such a love for players from the MLS. What I, who I also really would have loved to see with this squad uh, was Joe Scally. Joe Scally is another young kid, 18 years old, uh, playing for Borussia Mönchengladbach in the well said. Uh, Bundesliga. Good is that okay on the pronunciation? Yeah, that was fantastic. That was super impressive. We need to have you on. You should be our like our uh, international scout and our like pronunciation consultant. I need you to work with Jake a lot on that. I think he might be beyond reproach, but I, I certainly can give it a shot. Uh, but Scally For the has, of course, of course, Scally has moved to Germany at a, a very young age and they threw him at right back a position. He never played before. And he's been one of the brightest young players in the entire Bundesliga this season. But for some reason he wasn't called in. I think he would have been the perfect player to be able to sub in here uh, for this match. We saw Yedlin get in off the bench um, in the, I want to say, 69th minute. Nice. hey Nice. And he just wasn't able to get going. I think Scally gives you, again, maybe someone whose defensive uh, techniques aren't perfect at this point, but he gives you a, a really, really lethal option going forward. So I, I would have loved to see that moving forward. I mean, I think bringing Pepe off the bench is pretty nice. Do you think um, – I know Seth Pizzis has kind of all been – that's been the U.S. men national team's bread and brother. Um, is he the kind of player who, you know, contribute to that? Would he almost connect with the midfield? Like, what kind of – who is this Scally guy? I, I know nothing about him. So, so Scally is an 18-year-old. I want to say he came out of the NYC FC Academy. Yeah, so, uh, you know, he's 18 years old. He, he really is a, a player that I could see playing multiple positions for the U.S. Uh, as I said, start off in the midfield, really, for uh, NYC FC. Only made four appearances for them, but transferred to Borussia Mönchengladbach. Had a, a bunch of appearances last season with their uh, second team. And already this year, seven appearances and one goal. I think he could be a, a really vital tool for the U.S. Now, in terms of set pieces, as you mentioned, that is a, a staple of the American national team's success. We have guys throughout the year, Carlos Bocanegra, Oguchi Anyewu, uh, John Brooks, of course, who with his great header uh, after the 80th minute against Ghana to open up the 2014 World Cup. The Who U.S. has been so, yep. so lethal 
uh, on set pieces. And tonight in Panama, what we saw is just wasted opportunities, wasted chances off set pieces. Uh, Kellen Acosta, who has played, I think, in 19 straight matches now for the U.S., I'm not seeing it, but apparently uh, Coach Burhalter is. He was taking most of the set pieces today. The first few went about 10 yards too deep. Late in the game, he was missing short, uh, not even getting over the first defender. So, so that was awful. And then what really hurt the U.S. today, obviously, was the own goal for Zardes coming off a set piece. Uh, a set piece from Panama that was very similar to a lot of the ones they'd already run. We, are, we almost saw them score in Olympico, if not for a great save by Matt Turner uh, in the first half. In the second half, they, the U.S. Is, is implementing the zonal marking on corner kicks, and n- none of the three closest players to Matt Turner were marked by an American. And, and we saw the uh, Panamanians put players right on Matt Turner, and no one marked them. I think that definitely has to be something that Burhalter has got to look at moving forward. What is the best way to mark off corner kicks to make the U.S. most effective in that area? And that's something that, analytically speaking, is uh, an easy thing to fix when things are set in place. You don't have to like you know provide a build-up or have a certain place or a certain position. Um, that's something Liverpool have emphasized you know, you just hire Statsbaum and Ted Knutson and they'll figure that out for you. And it's, and that's it. The end. Um, I, I love Matt Turner. That goal is not his fault. Um, he's been fantastic. U.S. I mean, they don't look great, but like to, to get a goal off a corner kick where your own striker heads in your net, just unacceptable. You just can't have it. So they just got, they just got to be smarter. I don't know. That's it's, it's really frustrating. No. And, and you're absolutely right. That, that was an unacceptable goal to give up. Um, and, and talk about Matt Turner. Matt Turner has been playing great for the United States. And you look at him, he's a guy who didn't even pick up soccer until I think he was about 16 years old. And now he's one of the, the starters of the national team. The question is, where does Zach Steffen fit in the picture, right? He's backing up yeah. Ederson, one of, one of the best goalkeepers in the world at, at Manchester City. And he, he's learned a ton under Pep. He's gotten much better playing with his feet. Um, but do you think his, his lack of playing time is really just handing this position to Turner? Yeah, it's tough. I mean, when you're backing up Man City, it's like usually that's that's good enough to get the start. But right. um, from once again, from an analytical perspective, Matt Turner, by the numbers, is exceptional he blows every keeper out of the water in the mls it's not even close his shot stopping is next level it's it's top three in the world um the only issue is his distribution is awful and we saw that tonight um, when they zoomed in on the pitch in panama there i don't know if you if you were on the pitch a little bit tonight but they had looked like patches of six by six saw that was laid down and then just soaked with water and turner seemed to really struggle with that he didn't have his touch behind him this distribution was just shit um, and I think we kind of struggled with that, but I don't, I don't want to blame the turf for why we look so bad. Um, do you have any insight? Were you, were you down there? Did you get the, the, your fancy shoes nice and wet? Uh, you, you know, I've always got to keep the kicks clean. I think Greg Berhalter is the only one who has a better kick game than me. Uh, and to that point, we didn't even see a behind the back pass from Greg Berhalter, which has kind of become his calling card. Mm-hmm. So that was a little disappointing tonight, but yeah, you're right. Have the, the flair. Yeah. 
the uh, the pitch was was certainly not a, of the standards that we would want for a major international match, but that's what we get a lot in Concacaf. Uh, we've seen matches in Concacaf played on astroturf. Uh, I think that was Costa Rica used to play most of their home matches on a, a astroturf field, not even like the field turf we have now with the rubber pellets. You know, like the basically cement with a thin layer of green carpet over it. And that's that's just something that the United States national team has to get used to. And a lot of these guys are in their first World Cup qualifying cycle. We saw Tim Weah and uh, Shaq Moore both make their first starts tonight in World Cup qualifying matches. Uh, Weah came off the bench against Jamaica and gave a great performance uh, in his short cameo, didn't do great tonight, but we still have a lot of guys who are who are learning what it means to play soccer in in Concacaf and in World Cup qualifying. And, and Matt Turner, you've talked about him a lot, dominating the MLS. Well, he's 27 years of old. Uh, do do we see a European club coming in for him? I think he's certainly shown both in the MLS and with the national team that he has that ability. And I think he would be a great player for a, a variety of leagues overseas. Uh, but then the question is, you know, same thing that's going on with Stefan, uh, that's happening with Ethan Horvath. If players aren't starting, how does that impact their role with the national team? Yeah. You know, it really grinds my gear, though, man. CONCACAF drives me nuts. I hate the refs. I know I'm changing the pace here, but my God, it was the 90th minute. They said seven minutes left. They had two pitch invaders storm the pitch, delayed the game. Didn't matter. As soon as it's 97, game over. Also, players faking injuries once they went up 1-0. I counted 82nd minute to the 89th minute. Seven minutes right there. A guy was down with a cramp. They couldn't get him on the stretcher because he was cramping so bad. They had to roll him onto the stretcher, carry him off the pitch. He gets back up. He's back on the pitch. Seven minutes are gone. It's, it's, I, I mean, England, I think, did a great job with the physicality of it where, you know, if you go down easy, they're not going to call. You're going to play on. And I, I love that part of it. But the delay of game stuff, I think, I think the refs need to have more leeway to be like, look, if you're down and you're faking a cramp, just like play on. I don't care. Like, they got to figure that out. That drives me nuts. There's nothing more frustrating than watching a CONCACAF match when you're losing. Well, you talk about the stretcher being brought out tonight. It looked like that stretcher was from the 1950s. Now, if that's an improvement from what we saw with the Nations League earlier this uh, this summer, the CONCACAF Nations League, which, of course, is the more important Nations League. Of course. Um, the only Nations we saw, League, like, yeah. I think we saw 12-year-olds coming out to carry the stretcher. It was unbelievable. Yeah, they won a competition, actually. Yeah, it was like a, a thing for like uh, underprivileged uh, small girls where they could try to carry players off. It was, it was really nice of them to do that. Yeah, it, it was absolutely ridiculous that, that that's what we have. But that's CONCACAF, right? You, you have these officials. Uh, you know, you have a, a limited number of countries in CONCACAF much smaller than UEFA. A lot of the top officials from the region are from the eight nations playing in the Ocho, the final round of qualifying. So you're not going to get the highest quality officials. We saw with the Jamaica match, uh, the official who was in the center, that was his first senior World Cup qualifying match. And within 20 seconds, Paul Areola was in on a breakaway and was dragged down from behind. 
and the official took about a minute and a half to decide to give the player a yellow card. Another play right in the first half, same sort of thing. Uh, player in on goal, I think it was Brendan Aronson that time, in on goal, dragged down right outside the box, yellow card. And the, the officiating is tough, and what makes it worse is there's no VAR in CONCACAF qualifying. They CONCACAF has come out and, and said that they don't have the funds to put uh, VAR in the necessary stadiums. I don't know how true that is. I think a lot of it is the CONCACAF leaders maybe just wanted to pad their pockets a little bit. But that is something that's definitely going to have to be addressed moving forward. It's unacceptable at this point. We're, you know, we were talking earlier, what year is it? Well, it's 2021. How can World Cup qualifying be done without VAR? Yeah, it's just, I don't think they'll fix it. I gotta be honest. I think it's, uh, they're fine with it. No one's going to complain. America gets screwed and everyone loves it. And that's where we're at. So uh, what's American next? Way. What's next? What yeah, that's how it goes. Um, so you're you're, uh, you're heading to Ohio, right? Columbus coming up is the next game. We're playing Costa Rica. How do you feel to like get back to the good old USA? You're going to head down to McDonald's and get a Big Mac? What's, what's on your plan once you get out of Panama? Well, you know, heading to Columbus, um, you know, it, it's Columbus. You, you make the best of it. I think uh, I'm, I am looking forward. You mentioned McDonald's. I'm looking forward to a McGriddle. Love me a sausage oh, McGriddle. Can't beat it. One one of the best breakfast options out there. But I think that match coming up on Wednesday against Costa Rica in Columbus it is going to be a, a really, really vital one here for the U.S. You look at their schedule for this World Cup qualifying window. Against Jamaica, the goal was three points. Done. You look at uh, tonight's match against Panama. Hoping for three, but needed at least one, you think. With, with a zero-pointer, that makes Saturday, uh, Wednesday's match a must-win against Costa Rica. A Costa Rica side that is not doing great right now in World Cup qualifying. I believe they're in fifth place. Uh, I haven't seen the updated table since I got back to my hotel room, but I think that's about where they are. Um, they, they're definitely at a lower level now than what we've seen in the past few cycles. So at home... Another brand new stadium in Columbus. Uh, I really think that this is a must win for the U.S. We often say in CONCACAF qualifying, you win at home, you get draws on the road where you can, and that's good enough. Um, you know, tonight, a loss at, on the road. That's the first match of the five that the U.S. has failed to get a point. So it does make the match on Wednesday that much more important. Five matches in, eight points for the U.S. puts them at uh, second place right now on goal differential, just above Panama. You'd like to think that's a, a pretty comfortable place in 11 after six, uh, over a point and a half per match, which is usually the magic number. You'd like to think that's going to be good enough uh, to get the U.S. in, but, but Wednesday is absolutely a vital match. For those of us who don't know how many teams qualify, can you explain what place the U.S. needs to get to advance? Yeah, so usually uh, there's a round of six. And from the six, the top three, uh, the top three automatically advance. 
and then the fourth goes into the playoff. Well, now, due to COVID, they've changed it up. Instead of it being a round of six, the hex, as it was called, you now have a round of eight, a.k.a. the Ocho. Great name. Great name. So from the eight, the U.S. has to finish in the top three to automatically qualify. You've got to imagine Mexico is going to get one of those automatic qualifying spots. So the other two are going to come down to the United States, a Canada team who is much improved, and then maybe a Panama, maybe a Costa Rica, depending on what they can take at home. El Salvador on six points right now. they're, They're looking pretty good. El Salvador's in a in a decent spot. They are a young, up-and-coming team. But I think the difference between uh, them and Panama right now, um, and they actually had beaten Panama earlier uh, in this window, but I think the, the big difference is Panama got three points from the U.S. at home. Mm-hmm. Right, El Salvador uh, was the U.S.'s first match. That was a draw. So El Salvador was only able to get one point off the U.S. Panama got three. So yeah, I, I think they might be in that uh, top three conversation, maybe, but more likely that fourth spot. And the fourth spot is important because uh, that is the team that gets sent to the intercontinental playoff. So the confederations will play the fourth place team from CONCACAF will play either the uh, playoff winner fourth round from Asia, the fifth place uh, qualifier from South America, or the second round winner from Oceania, who my guess would be would be New Zealand. Uh, that fourth place team is going to play a home and home for a spot in the World Cup. But if you're the U.S., you have to be targeting those top three spots. Gotta be honest, I've been making a uh, tree graph here to try to map it all out, and it's uh, it's a mess. Uh, you lost me. Um, I think we're doing okay. Uh, we're leading the group. We have a goal differential of five with nine points. Mexico also has nine points, but a goal differential of only two. So I think well, we'll be okay, despite whatever you it, said about whatever being whatever. Um, if I can uh, correct you there, I think you might be looking at some outdated data. That's kind of a Jake move right there. Uh, oh so you might be looking at in, in progress during tonight's matches. So the U.S. Uh, actually did lose tonight. So they were on, not, they are on eight points uh, tied with Panama, um, but above Panama goal differential. So that's why the U.S. is in second. And I believe Mexico was able to get the victory tonight. Um, what is yeah? Mexico was updates. able to beat Honduras three nothing. So they are in first place on eleven. So you know the U.S. not in a bad spot, but I I definitely think that the the top three is a must expectation for the U.S. Oh shit! Yeah, we're in danger. Wow. Okay. Shit. Well, Wednesday's gonna be good. Um, good luck there. Let's let's try, let's wrap this up. It's kind of a little late here. I know you got a red eye to catch tonight. Uh, something we like to do on the on the Art of the Dive podcast here is get some hot takes before you go. Uh, what, what are you thinking? You got any hot takes for the U.S. Men National Team? Absolutely. So focusing just specifically uh, on the U.S. team, right? And, and players in the U.S. Talked a lot about Josh Sargent. Josh Sargent is going to score the most Premier League goals 
in 2022. The most Premier League goals in 2022. He's going like, to usurp Timo Pukki as as the number nine for Norwich, and he's just going to catch fire. Double digits the end of the season here. It's not going to. It's not going to happen. No chance. No way. Yeah, th- that's mm-hmm. fine. You can be wrong. Just like nope. you can be wrong about uh, Chelsea making it to the Champions League final again, and Christian mm-hmm. Pulisic nope. getting I another chance like he did in last nope. year's final. Last year, he was able to chip it up over Ederson, and I started wheeling off celebrating. Unfortunately, it went just wide. Pulisic is going to get another chance this year. You know, maybe if Chelsea plays well, against... Maybe. <laughs> maybe Chelsea plays against Sheriff out of Moldova. Of course, the team that beat uh, Real Madrid mm-hmm. uh, in Champions League. You know, maybe they play them well, in the no. final. Yeah. But Pulisic is scoring... In the World Cup, fi- in the Champions League final, and the World Cup final, uh, but we'll get to that later. Uh, I think for the U.S. by game by game week twenty four, Ederson will have cost Man City a decent number of points, and I think it's at that point where Pep Guardiola decides to make a change. We all love Pep Roulette, and Pep puts in Zach Steffen to lead the citizens for the last. What is that? 12 weeks, 12 game weeks of the season. And, and Stefan helps to lead Man City. I don't know That's to absurd. the title, but certainly a lock on a top three spot here. Look, now, I mean, Stefan, like his distribution is what makes him elite, right? It's not a shot stopping, but to think he would, like, they don't even get, he doesn't even get shot at. Why would you replace him when they get like, what, one shot conceded per game? You're not, well, you're crazy. My, that's my point, right? I think because they got shot on so few times during the match, right? Stefan, or excuse me, Ederson makes a lot of mistakes. And we, we've seen this in the past two Premier League seasons. He makes a ton of really poor decisions. And I think Pep's eventually going to get fed up with that and turn it over to Stefan. I can see that, yeah. My hot take, U.S. doesn't make the World Cup. How about that, Crane? How about that? No chance. Are you talking about like the handball World Cup, or maybe like the bass fishing World Cup? Oh, dude, we dominate bass fishing. What are you talking about? You want some like rednecks like out on the pond? Like we will crush (laughs) bass fishing. Well, that's why I'm I'm a little confused, right? Because there's there's no way the U.S. is missing the World Cup, and in fact, I will say that the U.S. advances further than England in the 2022 World Cup. Is that silence because you know that I'm right? The bias is real. Hashtag America. Hashtag get her done. Hashtag let's wrap it up. Follow us. Oh my God. You're going to cut me off. Unbelievable. Now get, get to the credits. All right, follow us on Twitter at R of the Dive, Insta, the R of the Dive, online, Dive FPL, Facebook, R of the Dive, MySpace, R of the Dive, iTunes, R of the Dive, Spotify, R of the Dive, SoundCloud, R of the Dive, Stitcher, R of the Dive, Google Play, R of the Dive. Uh, I think that's all of them. I, I, think, I, I think I got it. Mark will probably Did I catch a that. MySpace in there? Yeah, because Facebook went down, remember? So we all went back to MySpace for like six hours. You're like my that's number true. four top friend, man. 
Happy to be there. Yeah. You, you keep coming on these pods, you might move up. You might pass Jake soon enough. Well, it's been an absolute honor being on the, uh, wait, what, what do we call it? La Arte de Davucci. Yes, uh, Leonardo da Vinci. Paris. See? It's, uh, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for having me on here, Jim. Mm-hmm. All right, let's wrap it up. Yo soy Jaime y mi amigo. Is that, does that mean me? Yeah, si, bien, senor. La Internacion de Podcast with Ryan de de I, I don't oblige your language. Crane, see. See.